0: Listening to Hope Alive, your number one online Christian radio station. It is the minute business. Fifteen minutes past the hour, one o'clock. We are speaking all things acquiring new customers successfully. With untagoza sathway, untagoza. Yes, if I'm here, I'm hoping that you guys can hear me now. Yes, we definitely can. So let's get into how does a new business get in its first um, customers.
1: I think I really like the way that uh, Ria answered this question because um, a person might think that there's a, a general way in which you can get customers, but the first thing that she actually alluded to was it's so important to identify the type of entrepreneur that you are, the type of business that you're in, and therefore the type of customers that you are you need. Right? So different businesses need different kinds of customers. She made an example that if you need individuals to buy your shoes, for example. That's a different type of customer than if you are selling services maybe to a big corporate, right? Mm. So it all depends on what sort of customer that you have. So the first thing a small business must do is understand your customer, profile your customer, know as much about them as possible. You know, what do they like? Um, what do they do? Where can you find them? What sort of language do they speak? And all of those things are actually going to help you when it comes to um, finding ways in which you can market And the second thing she said is that now, when you know who your customer is and where they are, what you need to do now is start forming relationships. I mean, we've spoken about this so much that uh, it's not just about you trying to sell to people. People are tired of being sold to, right? Everywhere they go, everybody's trying to sell things to them. But if you start forming relationships, start communicating with them, whether you communicate with them via social media or directly, and then you communicate the value of what you're selling, all of those things, you know, they, they come into play in the long run when it comes to you actually having consistent customers, because like we spoke about last time, why make one sale when you can make a long-term customer who will refer more people to you? So that is the best way to start. Don't just start by putting adverts out there and hoping that everybody's going to buy from you, but actually form a smart relationships with people who are your potential customers. And then you will start. Forming something solid for
0: your future. You know, one of the things that um, stood out for me in that conversation, especially when you're speaking about um, customer profile, is that automatically because we are in Africa, our continent, the biggest client we have is youth, because of the continent is much younger than many continents out there. I mean, to with uh, to versus uh, the Europe or versus you know uh, the states, our youth mm. population is very big, but then. So we need to have products that are aware of that when we're thinking about customer profile. But the difference in this country, in this country specifically, is that though the youth is the majority, the youth is also not employed. So catering to them as the as as the main people sometimes could lead your business to a downfall because they don't have uh, that. Um, the buying capacity. So how do we navigate that when we're dealing with customer profile?
1: Yeah, that's a powerful one. I mean, that came from, you know, a a term that she uses a lot in her work called the millennial customer, Mm. where she was basically profiling the fact that right now, you know, we look at the millennials and the Gen Z, they're the biggest population in the continent. And also they're actually the biggest consumers. And, you know, what you're alluding to, that because there's such a high unemployment rate and their buying power may not be so great, but it's not always them uh, who are buying the things. I like the example that she made that there's a children's product that is selling millions and millions, whereas none of their customers actually have the idea product, because they've got the ability to influence their parents or you know their partners, when you're talking about you all know, the uh, people who are millennials, maybe have, uh, partners who are older than them, um, to actually buy on their behalf. So what you need to understand is that even though you're catering to people who might not have the money to buy from you, they might have the influence to make that purchase happen. So it's good to to, to not like that um, they might not have the money to buy from you. Just make sure that when you're talking to them and catering to them and setting your prices, you you, you keep that in mind. You know, you you might want to uh, allow them to negotiate a bit. You might want to cater to the pr- people who are buying for them or paying on their behalf, but you know, you you need to take all of those things into account of the millennial and the Gen Z customer in particular.
0: I love that because truth of the matter is, I mean, a lot of churches are having year-end functions in terms of camps and stuff. And none of those kids are going on the camps can pay for their camps. But they've got the ability to tell the parent to be able to convince the parent. So how do we, I mean, I know this is not something that you touched on in the conversation, but how can as SME leader or a businessman or woman be able to capitalize on that, that, okay, my primary client doesn't have the budget, but they've got the influence. So how do we then play in the space where we make that conversation smoother in terms of catering for both the one with the budget with the one that has the influence to convince the one with the budget to buy? Hmm, That's
1: a fantastic question. And I think, for me, one of the ways that I, I, um the corporate world has gotten this perfect. You look at, for example, smart devices like phones or tablets. so many children, I'm talking about even preteens, have these devices, right? And there was a time where you know parents were reluctant to buy from them until these uh, companies took out a message that said the phone, or the smart device is not just for making phone calls or playing games it also has a feature that helps them with their homework it also has a feature that gives them quick access to the internet when they're doing their you know their their abundance and things along those lines so the genius thing they did there was that they added features or added a message within their product that actually appealed to the the the, the person with the money right Mm. so even though the children are not buying the smart device because they want to do educational things but the parents are more at ease when it comes to buying it for them because of this particular value proposition that is put on the forefront by the manufacturers of those products so we can do something similar as small business owners or when you're profiling these customers and you realize that you want to sell sneakers to these teenagers and they don't have the money stop move beyond just saying it's a beautiful sneaker and it's going to help you become the best person at the you know at the party best best person at the party go beyond that you know put some utility on that say that our shoe is durable and therefore it lasts a long time put an element of because of this shoe uh maybe uh it, it helps with uh, it's a running shoe or it's a sports shoe right Ooh. let your message cater for people beyond just that particular clientele that you're trying to acquire, but also let it cater to the people who actually make the purchasing decisions.
0: I love that, communicating the value, you know, bringing the value proposition to the story. And that is really what we lack because, as you're saying, that there might be the, the, the idea of the phone now being a in, an instrument that can communicate assignments, communicate meetings, WhatsApp groups are used in classrooms for teachers to have better access to the students and communicate with them, then it becomes a different tool because now a parent is not investing on the phone just like a waste. They're like, ah, but you have to be part of the WhatsApp group. But you have Mm. to be... But you have to be... But really the kids hardly are active in those elements. They don't use this force for those things, but because you are able to package it in that manner, it kind of elevates the story. Let's speak about, because we've been touching on this for the past couple of weeks, and um, we're going to get into it as well, because one of the questions you were unpacking with her, Urrea, was that what social media platforms are best for acquiring new customers? That's the conversation you were having, and I mean, I think we've touched a little bit on this, but let's get into how she framed it, because it was exciting for me and how she, this question could easily, for the current generation, people could easily just say Instagram because that's the place to be. But she didn't answer it like that. Let's unpack here her response on this.
1: Yeah, no. know. It also excited me. I really was blown away by how she answered it because I, of course, would assume that she was going to say LinkedIn uh, when you're service-based and maybe uh, Instagram when you're product-based and maybe WhatsApp. You know, but what she said was actually quite interesting. She said, you know, it depends on where your customers are. So it goes back to understanding your customer and profiling your customer. And in your profiling of your customer, you start understanding what social media platforms are they using the most. So it doesn't make sense for you to go on to Instagram where your customers are actually more focused on Facebook. And it doesn't make sense for you to go to Twitter where your customers are more focused on LinkedIn. So what's most important is for you to do the necessary research. And I mean, when you're starting out, I like what you said, that you need to test these things out. Go on the various social media platforms and test them out and see which one you get the most engagement in. Mm. And obviously, the one you get the most engagement in will give you an indication that your customers are more based on this social media platform. And once you've gotten that, then you start investing in terms of how to maximize usage of that social media platform because you're trying to acquire them from where they are. And another thing she added there was the fact that... um, when you get I mean, the different social media platforms, they communicate differently. People on TikTok communicate differently to people on Twitter, right? So once you you select the the relevant social media platform, then start understanding the language that is used there. You know, you don't want to come and use LinkedIn language on Facebook. It's not going to work. Understand the language and then communicate with your customers on the social media platform based on what it is that they engage in. And I mean People, I mean, all these social media platforms give insights now, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to see the post in which um, you get the most reactions, you know, likes, especially comments. Comments are the gold um, standard when it comes to social media platform because they show a greater degree of uh, of engagement. So um, that is the best way to do Don't just focus on... Um, just one particular social media platform, go to where your customers
0: are. I love that, going to where your customers are, but it also takes us back to the conversation we've had about branding. Because, um, I mean, this weekend, I, a guy added me on, he requested a friend request on social media, on Facebook. And I've got a lot of friends, so I didn't ever a re- I always check not just who we have in common, but also what you are bringing in as value proposition. And one of the things that I noticed about this guy is that he was very specific about how he posts. He said that I speak only and post only all things radio. So that caught my attention. Then I went into his page and I realized that he covers everything that has to do with radio, whether it's the latest presenters, the the, the, the highest um, people that are, you know, shows that have done well so far in the last month or so, and he speaks about that. So he's already positioned himself by, by I'm going to be a specialist for this. And that made him, me say, okay, I'm going to accept your friend request because my list is, is a lot. So I'd rather lose somebody to get somebody like you because then I know what's happening in the radio space. So I find that whenever we're looking at businesses and social media platform, we also need to be mindful of, am I using this social media platform to communicate business matters? Or am I using this social media platform as my personal one? Because sometimes you are selling something that we don't see on your socials. And then you are saying yeah. that people are not supporting you. So I think it's important to differentiate in that space. Shoot.
1: That's so powerful. I absolutely love that. I mean, it goes back to what Umat Millen, Our first um, guest said that, you know, uh, people actually buying you more than they're buying your product because they could be buying that product from many other places. And you'll find that a lot of people are likable on their social media platforms but they don't maximize on, you know, selling their products through that platform in a way that is connected to them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's such a powerful point there.
0: Right, we're going to take a short break, please. uh, uh, The song, We the Kingdom, Life is Good is the song we're going to play. If you're just tuning in, we are on the Munati business. If you've got any questions, you're an entrepreneur, you've got your small business, you're starting out, you want to unpack with us, 067-153-1089. Send those questions so that we can answer them for you. When we come back in Togoza, we're going to be looking at what are the best ways to convert potential customers into uh, customers. And then also we're going to look at how... as a small, does a new business, get that first customer that's paying. Because a lot of us don't struggle when we're starting out with our businesses with getting the first customer. Because there's always somebody who's willing to taste your cakes that you are baking. Somebody who's willing to try out your clothing. You know, I know a guy who um, recently released a an athletic, uh, you know, um, company um, clothing. And the first thing that he did was that the first batch of material that he had to tr- test it out, he gave it out for free. Now that he's got the ones that he wants to sell, which is now the improved technology, everybody's like, no, like so how he started now is making the people that he gave to for free hard to transform them back into c- being customers. So let's unpack some of those uh, lessons that we could better make and decisions we can better do so that we don't find ourselves in this similar situation. Stay tuned and don't touch that dial. Come on. That is We the Kingdom saying life is good. This is their latest offering dropped this last weekend, and I got to listen to the whole music. I loved the song. So, you might be hearing a couple of songs piercing the airways throughout this week. Bringing us to that time where we're wrapping up our conversation with Ndogozo, speaking of all things uh, business. Let's talk about this. What are the best con- uh, ways to convert? Maybe let's start by saying. Um, How does one turn a new business into its uh, first customers? How do we bring it to our first customers and then unpack as well what are some of the best ways to convert a potential buyer into becoming a customer?
1: Yeah, no, I think this one is so, so important because a lot of small business owners make a mistake here because one trap that a lot of small business owners get into here is they create this product or create this brand or or whatever it is or a service and they, you know, the first people that they go to sell to is their friends or their family Mm. Um, and the mistake there is that these people love you And they want to support you even if your idea might not be great or your product may not be sustainable. Um, so you make your first, test, your first five sales and it's people who are all close to you and you're thinking this is actually a good business. And you wonder why after that you don't make um, you know, any sales going forward. So I would recommend that, you know, yes, it's good for you to tell the people around you and get some positive feedback. But I would recommend going to people who don't have an affiliation with you and seeing if... Once you communicate the value proposition of your product, are they still interested in actually paying money? Because it's one thing for people to say, "Yeah, go for it," but it's another thing for people to actually pay money. Um, that's proof that your 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 concept, your idea, or your business or product actually has you know any potential. So what I would say again is start off with these relationships, right? Form relationships with people who are in the industry that you're trying to sell your product. Whether it's an industry, whether it's a demographic, if you want to sell to teenagers, go to teenagers and try and communicate the value proposition of, you know, your product. This is a process called market research, right? And see whether or not they're willing to pay and at what price they're willing to, to, to pay for your particular product. Once you've done that, right, and your product is now ready to, to, to sell, you start off with a a trial run, right? Whether it's a trial run one month or three weeks, or whatever it is, where you're trying to sell to these people who are within the network that you have created. And then you see how it goes, you know, during that time. Are people actually buying it? Are people okay with buying it at that price? And once you you you, you that will give you information about your product. And what's funny is that large corporations do this. They spend millions doing this, but we don't do it as small business owners. Mm. to a test run and they get the feedback and then they go back and they tweak their products. They tweak their product until it gets to a place where the market is actually fine with your product. So I would suggest business owners doing the same process yes you don't have to spend millions but it doesn't cost you much to just get 10 people within your market to see what they think about your product. once they've actually used it are they complaining about the material are they complaining about this and that and then you tweak your product and then from there it's ready to make its first official sale And once you start making sales in that sort of a situation, it becomes easy for them to now start referring other people to start buying from you because that's what you want. You want them to love your product so much that they start referring other people to buy from you and then your network grows like that. You know, so for me personally, um, I know Ria didn't get into it that much, but I would recommend going uh, doing a process similar to this because not only will you make that first sale, you'll know that it's a continual thing.
0: And I think it's very important when, I mean, one of the things that I've, I used to, I did when I was first published my book, I did one of two things. One of them was that I gave away X amount of copies. I made a decision that I'm going to give X amount of copies, but I was not going to give it to just anybody. These ones I was going to give to certain people whom I would say, if you have enjoyed it i want you to purchase the next one for yourself or for somebody else and refer it to that person because that what would would do for me is that i would know that based on the fact that they've enjoyed it they can then purchase it and then give it to somebody who they think is 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 they will give me the I, the audience idea Because if they're sharing it with a lawyer, then I would know that, oh, because you're a lawyer, you shared it with a lawyer, you think another fellow lawyer can enjoy it. Now I can look into that space of intellectualism. Or if you are sharing it with an academic, or if you are sharing it with a a school, now I can be able to see the different audiences that I then want to explore based on that, who then becomes a return client. The one that says, I got this book for free as well, but then I was told that if I enjoy it, I should buy it, and I'm buying now X amount of copies. That gives you a, 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 a direction. Another thing, you find people that are coming up and they say, "No, we're gonna buy X amount," and you think, "Yo, Ntogozo is gonna buy a hundred uh, books," but Ntogozo is gonna buy a hundred books and give it away and doesn't even read it. So you thinking because Ntogozo is an, it's an entrepreneur and he's in small business, your client is small business. Whereas your client is not that because you need to go back and have a conversation with after you bought the hundred books, who did you give it to? How did they receive it? What are the conversations you know that those people had? You and though that's when you gather your data as well of how do, uh, how are people responding to that product? And a lot of us miss it there. We don't follow up. We don't have that conversation. So we have a product that we don't know how it's landing. And sometimes it's mm. landing on an audience that is not necessarily the main audience you wrote for or prepared for. Then you need to go back and say, do I want to really explore this? If it's about making money, then you're going to say, okay, I was planning for elders, but kids are responding better. How can I then reach deeper to these kids because they are responding? Instead of saying, Mm-mm, this is still for <laughs> elders. And then you are you are now losing an audience that is already saying, hey, we're enjoying what you're offering.
1: Mm. That is so powerful. I love that so, so much. And it's, I feel like it's a skip that we skip as small business owners. And that is what makes us lose the edge sometimes. I'll make an example with myself. When I started uh, one of the branches of my company, which is offering business development services of various kinds, I, of course, was targeting small business owners. Um, and, you know, I started pricing my product based on that. Recently, 90% of my customers are actually more established. Yes, they're still small businesses, but it's businesses that are more established that are, are making millions. And you know, one thing I noticed is that I'm underpriced now, and it's so hard to go back and actually, you know, increase my prices. But mm. that's because I skipped that step of actually testing the market, testing the pricing, testing who is the person who's actually reacting to the product that I have. And I feel like once you go through that, you know, give yourself a few months or a few weeks to go through that, you'll have a deep understanding of your customers, what they want, how to speak to them. And as a result, the next time you speak to someone in that demographic or in that market, you'll know exactly what to say, exactly where to price your product such that they actually respond positively. And if we can get that right, we will have solved a big part of the you know, acquiring customer's equation. And that is one of the big things that I got from my conversation with the today.
0: I love that. And for me as well, one of the greatest takeaways is why many of us as Black entrepreneurs start our businesses. We just want to meet our immediate need and that's why we don't have time to research we don't have time to the luxury of researching trying out giving people a few product coming back reworking it taking the criticism to say nah man you are selling a makeke marak let's make them a little bit moist we don't have time to research like that because we are just wanting to sell the next batch so that we could survive And I think it robs us of playing the long game. So there might be an entrepreneur that's listening to us right now and saying, I hear these um, beautiful ideas you're talking about, building audiences, turning the first customer into a long-term customer, but my reality doesn't allow me. How do you speak to that particular customer now?
1: Look, I mean, principles are just like that, right? Um, they might not apply specifically to your situation, but the most important thing is for you to extrapolate the parts that do apply. Because some of what we're talking about may not apply specifically to someone's customer, but the fund the fundamentals of what we're speaking about are go through our business. These are business fundamentals. Whether you, you have a big corporation, whether you have a small business, they you know they, they apply. So what I would I would advise is saying take the parts that do apply because the fact that Will remain that you know um, you will have to profile your customer if you want long term customers. If you're here and you're trying to make your next two hundred and you sell amakuinyawa or amakekewawa and you are fine, then okay, this does not apply to you. But we are talking to people who want to acquire customers on a consistent basis, and if you want to do that, you need to understand that people exist in groups, right? People exist in groups of same mentality, same likes, same interests, and if you can. Find out where your business caters to, uh, uh, how your business caters to that specific group of people, whether it's a big group or a small group, then you're you're poised, you're rightly positioned position for you to start selling to these people on a consistent basis. And even that, creating thinking I a cake, but maybe because I might care, they also want cool drink or they want tea with that and you create a tea product, but because mm. you communicated with them, you can start now building these products around them and this is how big businesses are made, right? Mm. They're not made by you saying support me, support me, support me. People get tired of supporting you, but if you understand what they need and you position yourself, your business, your product based on what their next need will be, then they won't, they won't feel like they're supporting you. They will be glad to give you their money because you are giving them something that they actually need and that is what this conversation is really um, focused on and this if you apply it, these are the source of results that you're going to have for your business
0: wrapping it up let's talk about uh, I mean you touched on that she speaks a lot about the millennial, the millennial customer and I think it's an important customer that we can't ignore we need to be mindful of knowing that if we're gonna be selling if we have a product, we want to sell it, and we want to make money of it. If it doesn't make money, then we're not succeeding. If we're not making money that can be able to sustain the business four months, five months, in a drought season, we're not succeeding. Because our businesses cannot be hand-to-mouth. You're selling today to buy stock, you're selling today to buy stock, and your profit your profit is only to buy sweets. It needs to elevate to a certain level. So, Who is this millennial client? How can we understand them better? How can we cater for them better? And then, of course, uh, because we are out of time, you can also plug the business of the day.
1: All right, awesome. And this millennial customer thing, I mean, you can find it on our website. It's uh, reyadetsmulapo.co.vide, where she speaks a bit more about it. But basically, it's uh, what we spoke about a bit earlier in the show that, um, you know, Gen Z is speaking about um, a generation maybe between the uh, the ages of about um, thirty thirty years old to about you know uh, the early forties. Um, that's the uh, no, sorry, that's the millennials, right? And the Gen Z uh, are the, the 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 people who are born around about two thousand, you know, and and younger. So these two groups of people, you know, form part of this millennial customer, and they think and buy in a certain way. They are not the same um, as the our parents, the people who who came before us. And what you need to understand is that this group of people, they, they're they very, um, I mean, you'll see from social media, they're very in tune with what is the latest trend. You know, oh. um, they don't even stay long in their jobs because, you know, they are avoiding this thing called toxicity. They want to be in an environment where they are vibing, you know, and, and, and so their likes and their, their dislikes and their interests, they are always fluctuating so you need to understand this that you're probably going to be selling to them because they're the biggest group of people and therefore when you're creating your product or your service you need to find a way to cater to them and understand that they they fluctuate they change their minds very easily today they might be buying your brand tomorrow they might be buying your 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 competitor so you want to understand how they work how they think where they are how they use social media how they talk And once you can understand the millennial customer and plan your business 10 years ahead to appeal to them and how they are like, then you're more likely to have uh, a, a successful business consistently because you are changing as they are changing. And this is one thing uh, that the biggest, uh, the biggest businesses in the world always get right. You look at your Facebook, they are catering for millennials before. Now they're starting to cater for Gen Z because they are seeing the change in those trends. So I would advise people to also do that. Don't just create a shoe because you like it. Understand what the market is thinking and where they're trending towards. And when it comes to the business we're plugging in, it's not a business, but there's an awesome, awesome um, uh, launch of something called the MS, MSS Retail PIOX. Um Basically, it's an initiative that puts together a group of small businesses and all their products and all their services, and they're trying to, to sell them to big corporations. So if you want to be a part of that particular launch, they are launching on the 5th of October. And they've got um, a keynote address by Mr. N. Mbutu, who's the NMC of Economic Development in Joburg. I feel like that's going to be great for a lot of small business owners. So please do check that out.
0: Right. It is taking place on the 5th of October, 2022, time 10 all the way till 1230. To get in touch with them, you can simply go to the Millennium mss.co.za and uh, also 06 079 349 If you are interested in that invitation of the MSS retail kiosk official launch, do send us a message and we'll forward you that those details. Thank you so much, Intorozo, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Let's touch base again next week.
1: Thank you so much people and
0: as always I
1: wish all the best to everyone who is listening God bless thank
0: you you are listening to hope alive streaming live from hope restoration ministries kempton park south africa